0: This is the Homestead Education Podcast, where we talk all things homesteading and we want to share our passion and experience for this lifestyle with you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Homestead Education Podcast. This is Angela speaking with my friend Mandy. Hi, Mandy. Hello. We are so excited to talk to you today because. Uh, We're going to continue the conversation we've been having about growing spring crops. And when we get to talk about spring crops, it means that it's getting to be spring. So good vibes all around. Eight days officially until spring starts, which is good. And um, rather than focus on one particular crop type like we've done right um, in the past here with broccoli. And then what was the other one that we did recently? We just did brassicas, I think. Broccoli,
1: brassicas. Onions? Onions.
0: We did onions. Um, so this one's going to be more of an overview of other spring crops that you can work in. So we'll touch on um, sort of a wide variety of cold loving crops that you can get going with pretty much now, regardless of your growing zone, with the exception of maybe zone three or maybe, maybe uh, But really, you want to be starting these at least in seed trays. Um, If you want to wait to direct sow or direct sow, excuse me, you can, but let's talk about crops. I know it is. It's just so exciting. I mean, here
1: we're in that very, and like you said, like Angela said, everybody, I mean, if this is not applicable to you right now in this very day or maybe this week, it it likely will be in a week or two. Um, So the month of March. I always feel like it's a super pivotal time period when it comes to growing food, because this is really when like the bulk of everything um, starts. I mean, sure. We've, we've started like some seeds, maybe if you have a greenhouse or in your basement or kitchen or wherever, but this is when you can actually like go out into the garden and it's so much easier. I mean, I was, I was literally thinking yesterday and then today we're going to go, we eat, so many sugar snap peas like so many it's like Mm -hmm. my favorite thing and um, it is so it's just so much easier to go out and just put the seed in the ground versus like going to the greenhouse while I love being in the greenhouse you know and filling trays or doing soil blocks or whatever you do you can go out and you can plant food like a substantial amount in 10 or 15 minutes and then just like walk away Mm -hmm. when you're you're at home just put a seeds in the ground like we're talking yeah.
0: about Yeah, Is that like you, you're having to baby them nearly as much Correct. as if they're in a seed tray. I mean
1: you can just walk away. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, this is super exciting. Um take it away. What can we like what can people be putting in their gardens right now or soon?
0: All right, well let's talk about peas. Let's start with that one. Let's do it. Um so here's the thing about peas. Most people think that you need to wait for them to warm up to germinate slash be transplanted in the garden they're actually cold loving all the way around so not even just after they have germinated they actually like the cold for germination too now you want to kind of wait put them directly in the garden soil after things have kind of dried up a little bit obviously that's more difficult in the spring right because we may still be getting insulating snow cover we're going to get spring rains But the point is, if you planted, say in December, and we're hoping to get a spring crop, it would likely rot the seed because Mm. you have such an extended of deep, cold weather ahead. But right about now is a great time to direct sow your little pea seedlings because, um, number one, they really are happy in the cold. Two, there's plenty of moisture to help soften that little seed um, casing. But then they're sweeter for it. So if you do get them to sprout and start climbing, um, your sweet peas are actually going to be sweeter, just like carrots. Yeah. They're delicious.
1: Um, and you make a, a good point that I wanted to touch on. I don't soak my pea seeds in the spring. I will for like a fall crop because mm-hmm. you're talking about planting maybe when it's a little bit more, you know, it's warmer, it's mo- it's more dry. Um, but mm-hmm. right now, like Angela said, most of us, your, your soil has, you know, it's saturated um, to some degree or like us, we're supposed to, you know, in the 10 day forecast here in Missouri, we have, I think it's like four or five days where there's a chance of rain. So we're likely, you know, over that time period to pick up probably one to two inches of rain. So, or you're going to still get snow because I hate to break it to everybody, but like I know we get like three nice days and everybody's like wanting to go outside in their shorts, but we're we're probably going to get more snow. So that's going to insulate the soil and it's also going to help with those seedlings that you plant. It likely is not going to rot them because you're going to have those fluctuations in the days where the temperature is actually going to get, you know, maybe in the 50s or 60s or something like that. So I don't soak our pea seeds right now. Um, I know a lot of people do because they think it like speeds up germination or I'm just like, Especially right now, at this point in time of life, I'm like, nope, less is more, and I'm just gonna do <laughs> the bare minimum because I just can't do anything else. Um, but we do do it in like the you know late summer for a fall crop. So
0: I don't, I don't soak any pea varieties. I don't even soak My sweet be- peas.
1: I, you know, I mean, I've done it. Yeah, I, I certainly. If we're being honest, I certainly did it when I first started gardening. Cause like, you know, that's what everybody tells you to do, but yeah, I don't, um, I've never, um, tracked better germination, certainly not a better harvest, which is what we're all after, um, soaking versus not soaking. So you can, yeah. if you think it, you know, helps, but yeah. Okay. So peas, um, or I'm going to try and pop, so- or do to get some rain later today. I'm going to try and pop some more in the ground because like I guess you've are-
0: you already did some? Yesterday. Oh, good for you. I haven't done any. No. I am behind.
1: No, you're not. You're not behind. But yeah. Um, I mean, we have, for the next 10 days, It's. I think our lowest temperature is like 29 or something like that. So they'll be fine. Um, in our well, day- you mulch them. Do you mulch them oh. with straw? Yeah. Oh, so they're happy. Like fallen leaves. I mean, you know, wild oak farms. So we have like of like leaves everywhere. So I just like will walk to a corner, you know, they like start to compile in like corners of the fences everywhere. I'll just like yeah. go grab some and throw them on there and walk away. So yeah, <laughs> if we mulch them. Then it's, then it's even better.
0: So two things about peas. Number one, if this is your first time planting peas, we need to talk about the three different kinds that you're going to find for sale. So you're going to find shelling peas. You're going to find snap peas and you're going to find sweet peas. Okay. Shelling peas are going to be the ones that are meant to be shelled, meaning we take the peas out of the pod. And the reason we do that is because more often than not, even if they're eaten when young and very tender, that shell casing is very fibrous and stringy and difficult to chew right off the vine. So what you want to do is take off the shell. And you can actually use the shell as mulch in your garden. It's going to be a great nitrogen fixer. Remember that takes time to be available to the plants because we have to wait for it to break down and become essentially liquefied so plant roots can absorb it. But it's a great mulch cover, but you're going to take the peas and you're going to process them in some way. So maybe you're going to cook them right away. You're going to dehydrate them. You're going to freeze them. A shelling pea is a storage crop. Then we have snap peas, which are the very delicious sweet tasting peas that you can eat right off the vine and they have a nice crunch and that's going to be a snap piece so if you're eating raw fresh peas you want to go for a snap variety sweet peas are not edible peas sweet (laughs) peas are highly toxic flowers they are seeds that look just like a pea but usually they're darker yeah but they don't And while they may produce pods for future flower seeds, really what we're after with a sweet pea is the fragrant little blossom, the flower that gets pollinated and turns into the pod. So make sure that if you want sweet peas to eat, you are going for a snap pea variety because sweet peas are just going to be flowers. And if you can't tell otherwise, just look at the seed packet because it's either going to have a picture of the crop or it's going to have a picture of the flower. And that's your, your cheat. The second thing, peas, absolutely need a trellis. And it's much better to put the trellis up first and plant around mm-hmm. the trellis. Instead of planting first and then trying to match the trellis shape or configuration to where you've planted your, or sowed your pea seeds, That that's more difficult. Make sure you get your trellis in place first. And just keep in mind, these are not going to grow as tall as beans. They're not the same as beans, a t- totally different plant. These only get to about three feet high ever. And so you can have a shorter trellis, save your larger trellises for your beans later. If your seasons of peas and beans are going to overlap, this is the time to use a smaller trellis and you absolutely do have to have one. In fact, they know if they don't because they have thigmotropism. they have a sense of touch. So if you put something next to them, they can actually feel for it and they will climb it. Mm-hmm. So cool.
1: The coolest part I know it's like, when, it's like, I know it is. That word is very cool, and also it is very true. And um, when you talk about trellises, anything, right? I mean, you can along a little fence line or uh, cattle panel, hog panel, or even like free is just go forage some branches and like make yeah. a little tree. Peas will love it; they'll climb up it. It's it's something that you can build in in twenty minutes and. Um, it will cost you no money, maybe a little bit of twine or something like that. So a few cents. Um, but yeah, I, I never started really eating peas until I had sugar snap peas. So my adult life until really we started gardening, honestly. So I don't know, you know, seven, eight years ago when we started seriously growing our own food, um, I think it's because, you know, you look at, like, peas in a can from the grocery store. Like, that's what you got, like, in school when you were growing up. And those are just, like, <laughs> disgusting. I,
0: <laughs> let's move on. I oh, How I... many pea plants do you grow, do you think, approximately? A lot. Um, Same. A, hundred, a lot. Uh, yeah, a lot. we grow around, like, 90 to 100 plants. Yeah. I was gonna um, think about that. Because I want to be able to freeze enough to try to last through the whole year and have some for fresh eating. So we have a family of four. I would say 100 is roughly how much we've decided is good for us. Now, also keep in mind, variety-dependent, that's going to be um, how much you produce. It it is variety-dependent, but it's also based on how much you pick. The more you pick, the more often you can harvest. Mm -hmm. These are one of those responsive crops where if you're out there, picking, it's gonna put out more flowers, thus it's gonna put out more of a crop yield. So do make sure if you want more of a harvest, you are trying to pick regularly and you're also paying attention to varieties that are gonna offer you a higher yield. Just just some food for thought. No pun intended. Mm-hmm. Another Should thing. We go on? Oh go ahead. Sorry, yeah, sorry. Totally.
1: Sorry. No, I was I was I mean, I think I'm still talking to, or thinking about how nasty the peas in a can are, but um <laughs> another thing that is it really anybody at this point I mean, even prior to planting pea seeds is radishes. Another thing that now that we're talking about it out loud, I didn't really eat until adult life. And pickled radishes or just like sliced radishes on a salad, a fresh salad, literally chef's kiss. I mean, like the spicy part of it is so good. Um, and they are literally, I would say the fastest growing crop that most of us, I'm not sure that there's a, there are some that are right there with it, but I mean, some radish varieties, you can get a little tiny radish in 25, 30 days. Oh yeah. Like three weeks. Yeah. 20, 20 ish days, 20, 30 days. So, I mean, when you talk about just like, um, in general, when we think about growing all this food and planning out our gardens and things like that. This is something that you can do now and get a decent crop and pickle some or save some or do whatever you want um, and then move on, right? They're not going to – they don't love it when it's hot, so you can't grow them in the summer. So the same space that you grew, these radishes and peas, and really everything that we're going to talk about, you can transition that same spot to your summer crops. So that's the totally. best about starting now and getting you know food
0: now. I mean, if you, if you really – um, I mean, if your soil is 40 degrees Fahrenheit, in other words, it's not frozen on the top. It's workable. Yes. Um, you can sow both peas and radishes. They will, they will um, be ready for sowing at 40 degrees. Um, the other note, if you have heavily compacted soils... You are not going to get as big of radishes because they really like a loose soil to develop that big sort of root bulb, that radish shape. However, that being said, if you have heavily compacted soil, you can start growing smaller radish varieties, the ones that measure like one inch. They are great at loosening up compacted soils. We can actually use them not only for food, but they could do a job for us. And so, what you can do is start with just a small radish variety. And as they grow and expand, they loosen that soil, right? And then maybe um, come late summer, you can put a little bit bigger of a radish in. And that's going to help to loosen it some more and keep upping the size and or depth of the radish. And you can use that as soil decompactors um, so you can make your your food work for you.
1: Yeah. I was wondering if you're going to say, I mean, even if, if you were going to mention that, even if you don't like radishes or some of the crops that, uh were're mentioning um, you can do just that I mean, you can go buy a pack of seeds literally at Walmart or Lowe's or wherever doesn't even have i mean doesn't have to be expensive organic, and you can plant them, and even if you don't eat the food it's gonna it's gonna improve your soil, so you're doing it without you really having to do anything right besides planting mm-hmm. the seed. So it's going to serve um, an additional purpose, if not more than one. So,
0: yeah, or harvest them and go them to the food pantry yeah, if our, you're not yeah, into exactly. if you radishes. Yes,
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, carrots.
0: Some I have a love- don't
1: like to eat. I will eat it straight out of the garden, but like I don't really care for carrots unless they, unless I'm growing them.
0: Um, okay. I have a love-hate relationship with growing carrots
1: because they're kind of (laughs) hard.
0: They're kind of hard, but here's my here's my thing. Maybe you have an answer for this because you're a master gardener. I'm going to put you on the spot for a second. When you use a lot of compost in your soil, right? Like I do because I have an abundance of it, Um, and you grow something like a carrot. I was always told you're not supposed to pull it out of the garden and just bite into it, even if it's rinsed, because it's been with compost, which has bacteria so then i feel like for every single carrot i never really get the satisfaction of being like oh i grew this pull it out of the ground and eat it like i bring it inside i rinse it i scrub it i peel it and then i finally get to eat it and so it just feels like it's too much what is (laughs) it is a lot of work but my question is have you ever gotten sick from eating a carrot out of the ground no
1: Hmm. but i'm gonna ask i don't know i mean I, I would call a little bit of bluff on that. I mean, it, it, wouldn't it, wouldn't that make sense to most crops then? I don't know. We're going to have to, before we kind of sound like we don't know what we're talking about, i maybe
0: have to do some research. <laughs> we'll dig on that one a little bit.
1: Yeah. No pun intended. Um, but yeah, carrots are just kind of like, super finicky i mean it is it truthfully is one of the crops that if you um have found success in growing it it i mean most things that we grow will taste better if you grow them versus obviously buying them at the grocery store for many many reasons right they're fresh they're you know the pride it's it's so many things carrots is really or carrots are really one of those crops um and I think it's because we can manipulate kind of their sweetness with like when we're planting and the and the soil temperatures. And um, there are so many other varieties that we can plant versus the ones that you're going to ever find at the grocery store, even like a local farmer's market. Um, but at baseline, they're very hard to get to germinate. And they're a very, very small seed. Um, so if uh, we will do like a seed tape, you can make one, you can buy seed tape or something like that. If this is if this is something that you struggle with that would be a suggestion um because this, the seeds you're direct sowing these you're not starting them in a greenhouse and so like most of the time we are going out there and just plopping seeds in the soil but the seeds are so so small and you know damn well you get a little bit of soil on your hand and your hands wet and then you're going to have 25 seeds stuck to your fingers and then they all go in the same spot and then you have germination, you're like, how am I supposed to thin this? And then you pull all of the seeds up and then you have no carrots. So, um, yeah, seed tape, and you do want to actually heavily sow and then try to thin them out. Um, we I like you I you we have on our notes and we'll put all of this stuff in show notes, but you'll see on social media or you know, gardening forums or websites that people will put like a Burlap sack over the germinate the carrots to try and help them germinate, or like a board. Um, you could even do probably some heavy mulch if you really wanted to, but that's to keep they they need they need uh, air quoting, um, but that really helps keep them moist. If you don't do it, they're not going to really they're they're not going to germinate at
0: all. I mean, I've never done the board trick. Never Have done you? the
1: board trick or like a burlap
0: thing. I've never done that. Because I just cover them and then I just water. All I know
1: is burlap is expensive. One time I bought a burlap runner for like our kitchen table. It wasn't really <laughs> expensive.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, maybe don't put, use a burlap runner. Not putting
1: that in the garden. But, um, but we do like mulch. So you could do some, you know, straw or leaves or something like that. Um, I mean, the key is you don't want them to dry out. So, yeah. And much like any other, you know, all the other root crops – in general, they have you have to have a loose, aerated, fluffy, workable soil, or your carrot's going to be like one inch long and crooked as heck, or it just might not even take off because if it doesn't have space to go, right? Your mm-hmm. food—it's not the food—is actually going down into the down. So if it doesn't have space to grow, it's not going to
0: grow. Yeah, this is going to be one of those crafts you're going to save for your deepest raised bed. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, for sure
0: the the trick that i use for thinning i i i can't realistically thin i just don't there's no i just don't have the time and if i did have time it wouldn't be my priority so here's what i do i let them start growing and then i go in and i harvest them when i get like baby carrots for lunch boxes and then the ones that are Aren't. next to it the ones that are next to it they have more room to grow now there's the whole oh. It might be oddly shaped. Oh, there's nutrient competition. Well, I'm kind of on the, of the thought process that if my soil is so limited in nutrients that carrots can't compete, then I don't have enough nutrients, and yeah. so I'm just going to go ahead and grow, you know, and then start pulling them out, baby carrots, and then then I have carrot harvest er, car, carrot harvest <laughs> earlier, right? Because I'm pulling baby carrots out within like something crazy, like thirty days. 45 days. And then the bigger ones are going to be in there anyway. They were going to take that long to grow anyway. They get to stay in place and they get to continue growing to a full size, you know, 10, 12 inch carrot.
1: I was going to say the same thing. And the, the, the holds true. I mean, that's like a very um, transparent statement. I mean, if if, Pete, if, if you're concerned about nutrient uh, competition or depletion, then you, you got to go back to square one because there shouldn't, shouldn't be. Struggling that bad, because um, it all—it's all, all going to start with a good nutrient soil. So, cash mm-hmm. um, next on our list. I don't well, I don't bok choy, bok choy, bok choy. So many different ways to say it. I have tried growing this, and it looks really cool. Like on the packet <laughs> but i have struggled with it and i don't know if my timing i think that i think that um it's a cooler season green if you will and like really good in stir fry and stuff like that if you i mean if you i guarantee most people listening have probably had it and maybe they don't know they've had it um but it doesn't want it, it doesn't want too cold but it really doesn't thrive when it gets too hot so I think for a lot of climates, it's a challenging, if it's, if, you know, I think it's challenging to grow for a lot of us. I didn't start any of these seeds this year and I, I likely won't.
0: I, I will, but I'm not going to do it just yet. They're not one of the first ones. They are a spring crop, but I will put them out. Um, I will put the transplant them out from the greenhouse in April probably early April. I'm in zone on six B seven. And, um, I will start them in the greenhouse, probably halfway towards the end of March. The thing that makes, um, the choy that some people call it Chinese cabbage, I think.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, the reason that it can be difficult to grow is it's really prone to slugs. So mm-hmm. if you have slugs in your garden, do mulch, but like, don't mulch right up to the stem because you want to break the pathway of the slug travel. Um, but the other thing I'm really prone to is flea beetles. If you've never seen a flea beetle, I, I assure you if you have a garden at some point, you've seen their damage. They create these teeny tiny little holes and they're not going to make it look like lace. That's a, that's a different one. But you're just going to see a whole bunch of polka dot holes in your leaves. They're these teeny tiny beetles that are black. You can use coffee grounds in your soil. Um, this is a great location or a time to use used grounds or, or you can use fresh, but just like s- literally sprinkle a ring around the base of the stem, maybe work it into the soil a little bit, keeps them on the top soil and it, the, fl- the flea beetles are going to want nothing to do with it. So give that a try if you have seen them in your garden.
1: Yeah. Very, very good tips. And ask Angela, cause I'm not growing it this year. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um beets and turnips and what's that's what we um kind of had next to chat about and and i'm gonna switch so a lot of people might still have turnips actually in their gardens a lot of people will try and overwinter them um same with like parsnips um depending on where you are um you just need to like make sure that if If you have overwintered these things and this is not on our you know notes, but you'll want to remove any of like new growth before you really should harvest them but um we're not talking about beets more turnips. I don't grow turnips, also like a very you know, I don't know when we talk about growing food, it's like i I think that there's evolution in <laughs> in like in like the new gardener. And then, like, the gardener that I am, probably you are, it's like, heck, yeah, I tried to grow turnips and beets, and I, I did grow them, and then I didn't eat them. And I'm like, why am I wasting my time and energy? And I don't know, what what am I going to do with a turnip? I mean... <laughs> anyway you
0: are you're just cracking me up today i love that this is like how to grow spring crops slash what mandy likes and dislikes (laughs) (laughs) i think my whole point to all of that is if you
1: don't just because just because we just because you can grow this right now if you are not going to eat it if you have limited space um don't don't waste your time and energy like put like Grow 200 sugar snap peas if that's what you want to eat. And that's fine. That's cool.
0: Okay. Well, I eat turnips. Oh, how? (laughs) You could, um, some people eat them raw, but I do the purple top globe turnips and uh, I, I save them for freezing and then I roast them in the fall and in the winter time. And I'll do like a big roasted side dish with beets, with potatoes, sweet potatoes, parsnips, turnips. And it's like this really delicious root vegetable side.
1: All right, Angela.
0: I, fine. I don't grow a lot because I am the only one that mm. eats them. And so I I don't want to give them up, though. I love them. Here's the thing, though with turnips, you actually get a double crop. And same with beets, you can eat the greens. So the turnips are going to be a mustard flavor because I actually think turnips, if I remember right, are in the mustard family. Sure. I, I, I could be wrong about that. But um, While the plant is growing, you can cut back the the greens a bit and harvest those. I know a lot of people that grow turnips just for turnip greens. Do pay attention to the size that you purchase when it comes to the variety. So, beets and turnips can so easily be underwhelming. And then they will only grow to be like an inch in size, and you leave them in the garden thinking they're not finished growing yet, and all of a sudden they get woody. Or they start to bolt and sprout stems and seeds. And you're like, wait a second, I didn't even get to eat the root crop. Well, that's because you just bought a small variety. So most of the time, beets and turnips, they don't actually get that big unless you seek out varieties that are meant for a larger root. Like if you're looking for four or five inch beets, you got to find a variety that does that. So... Keep that in mind. If you keep them in the in the soil too long before harvesting, they're they're going to be tough and not at all worth your time.
1: See, that's my point. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. Another thing that uh, I think is really easy to plant right now is spinach. Another like super, um, which you wouldn't think is like a fast growing and maybe that's just because you know to get like a good head of cabbage or even like a good you know romaine head it does it takes quite a you know quite a bit of time or a normal amount of time i should say um but you can sow spinach right now it likes the cold um it you can start it i mean and you'll you'll probably see it and at local greenhouses or you know garden garden stores Sold in like six packs and so it does fine if you want to start it in your greenhouse or wherever um it also is just one of those things that you can just go plop in the soil and walk away and then you will i mean six depending on the variety like six to eight weeks and Mm -hmm. you can have little spinach salads and then you know um it might replenish a little bit but we if you we'll start them now and then you can actually start them again before it gets too hot.
0: I okay. was just going to say this spinach is a crop that has to be succession planted because the life cycle is so short. short. I mean, I feel like you only get one really good harvest, mm-hmm. just the first one. And then they'll grow back a little bit and then they yellow and die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So
1: really, if you're trying to get, you know, a bang for your buck or just like, you know, time is money, right? Whatever the saying we could keep going, but, um yeah, you harvest and then I would pull it. Like literally yeah. all the same the same same swift motion. I would harvest, pull, replant.
0: Yeah. Okay, but, spring onions.
1: Yeah. Like one of my favorite things. Garlic and onions are just like one of my see. You know what? But I Casey does not like onions. I married somebody that doesn't eat onions and I have to hide them. I I don't even know who doesn't like onions. <laughs> it's like gives food flavor. It's like
0: pepper. You put pepper on everything. Casey uh-huh. doesn't even like it in their dishes, like doesn't have to eat them, but just oh. doesn't like it as a flavoring agent, like in the background.
1: No, like my mom will even leave it out of dishes for them, and I'm like, well, you're nicer than me. <laughs> it's so funny. it's interesting, <laughs> um, but yes, now. Now is the time. You'll see, uh, you'll see, I mean, if you started onions, like we, we had a whole episode about starting onions or sets or, you know, whatever, whatever route your, or method you are choosing or going with this year. But now is the time where you can put them outside. So you're going to see started onions and sets pretty much at every greenhouse, every Lowe's, Home Depot, any place like that. Um. Angela makes a good point and has here in our notes that um, they like cool weather, but you really don't want your nighttime temperatures to be in the 20s. Now, like, we have, like, I think in the next 10 days, maybe a night where it's going to be, like, 29. I would still probably go ahead and do it. Um, But if you have low 20s and stuff like that, maybe wait a couple weeks. That's what we're saying. Like, this might not be applicable to you right now, but it likely is going to be applicable to you in the next week or two.
0: I get my um, onion starts from Territorial Seed Company, and they just send them to me when it's applicable to my zone.
1: Yeah, so I never
0: have to worry about doing it too early. Um, This is not like a paid plug for them or anything. I've been using them for years, and I just kind of know. All right, well they're not here yet, so I don't have to worry about it yet.
1: (laughs) Don't worry about it. And then when they get here, yeah, you just go. Another thing. Another thing that is relatively pretty easy to plant. The hardest um, method is going to be if you started your, your seeds and you're you know dividing them and things like that. But if you're gonna if you're gonna do sets or started onions, it it's like dig a little trench, do it all in one swift motion, and then it's kind of one of those um, crops that doesn't need a lot of babying. You're not you know trellising it or anything like that. As long as you have adequate nutrients in your soil, which all crops need so I everybody has that because we've talked about it so much that I know everybody's listened um yeah and then weed they hate weeds I know yeah and they will not thrive if um or you won't have big onion bulbs um if you have a very weedy area that you're planting them in um but then, yeah, and re- you can refer back to the uh, episode that we kind of talked more about onions. But now is the time to go ahead and, and get those out in your garden.
0: Do we think anyone is still listening at this point? Should we do the last two or should we just go ahead? You can also <laughs> put them start in the show calendula.
1: Notes. And if you have strawberries, <laughs> um, now is the time to, like, pull off any mulch or something like that. Start start to let the strawberries um, get exposed to the elements in the daytime temperatures and nighttime temperatures. And also if you are starting, if you're, if you're planting bare root strawberries right now, it's a fine time. So um, other than that, we will put notes in the show notes of, of kind of everything that we've talked about and maybe a little bit more information. I do want to say that um, Angela mentioned um, as it goes out, but Angel mentioned in the beginning of the episode when we talk about planting all these things in spring, it's a fine line between having too dry soil, but really our struggle most of the time is having soil that's too um, wet. And so, a good, uh, a very easy, non-scientific way to know if your soil is too wet is you literally will go out and just put a ball in your hand, and if it crumbles. I say easily, um, after being like squeezed together. So, you know, it's, it might be a little bit wet and it stays together, but then you can kind of get like a, a handful of crumbled soil. It's dry enough and you can work that That would be good workable soil. If you are squeezing it and it's staying in a ball and you open your, you open your hand and it's not really loosening up, it's likely too wet. And so I would wait for a little bit because that's where you're going to get some of these seeds are going to, Um, you won't see much germination of any, if, if any, because it's going to be a little bit too wet for them and the seeds will
0: just rot. Well said. Okay, great. Um, great. (laughs) Other things we didn't talk about that are certainly, um, spring crops is rhubarb, asparagus. There's a lot of perennial plantings that will come back every single year. Um, maybe we should do a perennial post at some point and we can include both summer, fall and, um spring edibles in there but for now if you are starting seeds in the greenhouse direct sowing in the garden um, those are the ones that we covered today as always reach out to us um with via email on our social social media channels wherever you listen send us a note if you have a question we're happy to help um but I think that's it for today yeah did we get everything yeah but
1: don't don't come to me with turnip questions because I won't answer you I'm just kidding um I think we did. I hope everybody has a super good day. Thanks for listening, everyone. Cheers.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Homest Education Podcast. Any relevant material will be put in the show notes. We hope you'll share our episodes and also click that subscribe button. For more information about this podcast, you can visit us on Instagram at Homestead Education Podcast. Angela can be found online at axenroothomestead.com and on Instagram at axenroothomestead. Mandy can also be found online at thefarmermandy.com and on Instagram at Wild Oak Farms. We'll see you next time.